1: For your next mistake I put in work and watch my status welcome into the punt and pass podcast I'm your host Drew Butler usually joined by my co-host Aaron Murray but as you know by now Aaron is down in Tampa Bay for the next couple of days completing mini camp with the XFL's Tampa Bay Vipers so I am riding this episode. So low, but we have a ton to break down on in a little bit. I'll be joined by Clint Bowling. Clint's a former Georgia offensive All-SEC lineman and an eight-year NFL veteran. We're going to ask him questions about the Matt Luke hire at Georgia and what he thinks about Sam Pittman's departure and how Matt Luke will be as Georgia's new offensive line coach. We also have a lot to break down with the college football awards show happening last night. The college football playoffs are set. The Heisman Trophy is this weekend and we have a bowl pick 'em? That's right, a bowl pick 'em has been established. Check us out on social media at Punt and Pass, the link is there at Drew Butler 13, at Aaron Murray 11. And our friends at Prize Picks will be providing some of the prizes that will be given away in the bowl pick 'em. And this episode is, of course, presented by Prize Picks. If you don't know by now, you have to to download the Prize Picks app or go to myprizepicks.com, Use the promo code PNP, the letter P, the letter N, and the letter P, and they have a very special promotion for all Punt and Pass listeners. All you have to do is download the app, sign up with the promo code PNP, and you get a free $25 to play with. Prize picks is Daily Fantasy Simplified. I love it. I played it last night with Thursday Night Football. All you have to do is pick a couple of players. It doesn't even matter what sport they're playing. They even have President's Cup picks for the golf this weekend. It's awesome. And then guess if they will go over or under their fantasy point. Projections. It's genius. It's fun. It's easy. You don't have to play against the pros who are nerds who do daily fantasy all day. It's just you versus the system. Tons of fun. Easy ways to win. Download prize picks. Use the promo code PNP and get a free $25 to play. They also are going to provide some awesome prizes for our. Punt and pass, bowl pick'em, which is on ESPN. Again, go to any of our social channels to sign up for it. Top three entries will win a prize. We will have fun with it all throughout bowl season. So follow at Prize Picks on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us at Punt and Pass, and follow myself, Drew Butler, thirteen, and Aaron at Aaron Murray. Eleven. All right, let's get to the quick news. The 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 most important news of the week. So after Georgia lost the SEC championship game, thirty seven to ten to number one ranked. LSU Sam Pittman, I don't know if it's a surprise or not to most, was named the head coach at Arkansas. Obviously, he came to Georgia from Arkansas, a noted recruiter. He gets big heavies up on the offensive line, mostly four and five stars. And you can build any really good football team behind a great offensive line. So goes back home to Arkansas, gets the head coaching job, and with signing day, the first Signing day happening next week. Georgia had to act quick and get an offensive line coach in the fold to make sure they don't lose a lot of their commitments, four- and five-star commitments that are really the bulk of their 2020 signing class. So what does Kirby Smart do? Well, a lot of rumors are floating around. What's going to happen with James Coley, the offensive coordinator? What about Coach Mike Bobo, who is up for the South Carolina job? Could Kirby go out there and sway him to maybe take the Georgia job if he does, in fact, move away from Coach Coley? Well, None of that happened, and what he did instead is he got Matt Luke, the recently fired head coach at Ole Miss, with an offensive line background to take the offensive line position at the University of Georgia, also named him associate head Coach, I think this is a strong move. I really do. Look, when you can get a former SEC head coach on your staff, a guy who recruits at a high level, a guy who knows a ton about offense and offensive line play, I think it's a positive, and I think it's a positive for a lot of the recruits. You've seen it on social media. Matt Luke and Kirby Smart have been hitting the recruiting trail, going to talk to a lot of those high-ranking recruits who may be wavering with their commitments now, now that Coach Sam Pittman is at Arkansas, and this, to me, is a solid hire by Kirby Smart. We talked about it on Monday's episode of Punt and Pass. Kirby is most certainly the guy that you can put your trust in. Does Georgia need sweeping changes to make a championship run? I don't know. I mean, we'll see how much of an influence Matt Luke has on the offense as a whole. But I think one, he recruits well. Two, he knows how to develop offensive line talent. And three, he will be able to add his expertise when it comes to developing the offense around the players that Georgia has on their roster. It was a swift move. It was a quick move, and I think it was one that Kirby Smart will say is one of his better decisions looking back depending on how the 2020 season goes. So Matt Luke already in the fold. He's been officially announced by the university. He's hit the recruiting trail. I'm sure he will be very active in the Sugar Bowl preparations and... What I want to do now is bring in a very special guest. Look, I'm a punter. Do I know a lot about football? Of course I do. That's why you listen to the Punt and Pass podcast. But I brought in a good friend of mine, a guy who is very successful on the offensive line, both in college and the professional ranks, Clint Bowling, All-SEC former offensive guard at the University of Georgia, and he had one of the most consistent NFL careers that you could ever imagine, played for eight years for the Cincinnati Bengals, just recently retired. Dude, no everything about offensive line play dude knows a lot about college football as well he's played with a ton of different offensive line coaches so I said hey Clint join me on the podcast let our listeners know from an offensive lineman's perspective who's played at a high level in college and in the NFL what you think about Sam Pittman's departure and what you think about Matt Luke's arrival as the offensive line coach at Georgia so without further ado let's bring in our guest for this week's episode of the punt and pass podcast my good friend Clint Bowling former Georgia offensive lineman and Cincinnati Bengal all right let's bring in a special guest a good buddy of mine a damn good dog eight-year NFL veteran former all SEC guard longtime Cincinnati Bengal, Clint Bowling, joins the program because we need to ask him and get a former offensive lineman's perspective on the new offensive line hire at the University of Georgia. That's right. Georgia replaces Sam Pittman with former Ole Miss head coach Matt Luke. Obviously, Clint, Kirby had to move quickly. Signing day is next week, and it seems like This is a pretty decent hire. What do you think of Matt Luke? Do you have any prior relationship or experience with coach Luke?
0: Uh, You know, I've never met the guy. I've never, uh, I've obviously heard about him, but I mean, to make it to a, uh, you know, the head coaching level in the SEC is obviously, uh, you know, speaks to himself and what he's able to do. Um, And, you know, we kind of joked about, ironically, if a kid doesn't act like a dog and piss on a ball in the football (laughs) and, uh. And they uh, they win that game in overtime. You, you know, you got to think he's still the head coach of Ole Miss. They, uh, you know, they uh, they obviously had a big running game going too. When they, uh, you know, I think they led the SEC in running and rushing. So uh, clearly, you know, the guy knows what he's doing, and uh, as a head coach, and was able to get to that level. Um, and you know, so it's going to be a. Uh, I think it's a good hire for the for the dogs.
1: Yeah, it seems like a big time hire, and obviously a lot of fans and were a bit hesitant to let go of coach Sam Pittman who's now the head coach at Arkansas he was great for recruiting you know I want to ask you what do you think the most important thing is for a college offensive line coach because you played for Stacy Searles at the University of Georgia then you had a long time career in the NFL with Paul Alexander, who's a great offensive line coach still in the NFL. I forget who your second offensive line coach is. But what's most most important here? Is it scheme? Is it recruiting? Is it developing that talent? You've seen it all.
0: Uh, you know, I think it's it, a lot of it has to do with recruiting, obviously, uh, getting the right guys in the, into the room, guys that are, you know, big, tough, and physical um, at the same time, you know, I think, uh, Pittman obviously likes the, the big, the bigger offensive line and they, uh, you know, some more power guys. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that changes over time and they get, uh, some, you know, more athletic guys that can move and run and block in space. Um, but I think the most important thing for a college offensive line coaches, you know, just developing those guys, creating, um, you know, a sense of toughness in the room, having guys that are willing to work hard, um, you know, I think I, more at the NFL level, I, I learned more technique and, and then I you know find technique than I did at, at college. But at college, it's all about, you know, getting guys to play hard, um, playing physical um, and kind of getting them to develop into that next next, next level.
1: Yeah, you had a great career at Georgia. Started all four years. Drafted in the fourth round by the Cincinnati Bengals. And like you said, I mean, I think you'll be the first to admit you weren't the biggest guy in the room. Um, Obviously, a couple of five stars were there when you were at Georgia. But, man, you were great with your feet, great with your hands. You always knew where to be, when to be there. And especially that translates well into the NFL. You see a couple of four stars and five stars decommit from Georgia when Sam Pittman leaves. Obviously, Coach Luke and Kirby Smart get on the road immediately and go visit those guys it's easier to develop that five-star talent isn't it Clint I mean coach Luke's got to be sitting there going man if I can walk in this seems like a bit better of a situation than I had at Ole Miss
0: yeah you know naturally just being at Georgia you're gonna probably gonna be able to recruit a, a better athlete than you would at Ole Miss just because of the the brand name uh, more than anything but at the same time you know there's uh, you a know, Thinking about you know guys like myself, guys like Ben Jones and David Andrews, guys that were lower level, three star recruits. You know, it's not all about the five stars and four stars. Um, like you said, it's about you know the playbook and knowing where to be and and who to block, uh, being able to adjust and listen to checks. So there's a lot of moving parts about playing off offensive line. So just being able to to make all those adjustments obviously is probably one of the most important things because you can always have guys that are they're the most talented, but if they don't know who to block or where to be at the right time or you know, jump off sides, penalties, then you're not going to be able to play.
1: Yeah, no question. I think it's a good hire for George, obviously. Getting more experience, as Matt Luke was an SEC head coach at Ole Miss, is only going to help Kirby. But um, you know, this wasn't met with as much fanfare as maybe some people expected. A lot of people after the SEC championship thought Coach Coley, the offensive coordinator, might be gone. Coach Bobo, who was your offensive coordinator while at, uh, Georgia is now the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. D- did you think Bobo would have been a good fit at Georgia? Do you think Coley is staying at Georgia? Give me your overall thoughts on the offense right now, heading into the sugar bowl and then the off season.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of changes are made with a, with a new line coach and how much they, they diversify the offense because it did time and, um, you know, just to see them being able to um, to adjust and adapt this off season, because just to be able to just sit there and go run, run pass. Now it's third and eight. Jake Crom, go make a play. You know, you always put that guy in a tough spot. But you know, you obviously when you're at the top of the, you know, they've won the East the past few years. They played in the SEC championship the past few years. When you're at the top, you're always going to have coaches that are going to end up leaving. And yeah. so hopefully this is a problem that Georgia continues to have, where you have great coaches that are great recruiters that other schools are going to want. So it's a, it's a good problem to have to have to replace guys like this, but to have a guy that, that has that SEC head coaching experience and probably has relationships with a lot of those O-linemen that Georgia was cr- recruiting at the same time. So, it, it, you know, I think it, was, it it's a good situation for Georgia. I think obviously they're going to have to adapt in the offseason, the offense a little bit. I'd like to see them run, uh, open it up a little bit, get guys in space, you know, open up the screen game. Um, you know, you, you think they never ran tunnel screens, halfback screens, very, very limited of you know getting guys out in space and, and blocking in that way. So I'd like to see him kind of open it up a little bit more, um, as I'm sure a lot of people would. So we'll uh, you know have to follow along with it in the off season.
1: Uh, yes or no, does Jake Fromm go to the NFL this off season? Uh, I
0: would think it'd be best to, to watch him, you know, develop a little bit more this uh, this off season and have a have a big year under Sarah next year and kind of really improve where he's at right now.
1: Uh, yes or no, are you going to join the punt and pass bowl pick em? We're going to give away some sweet prizes if you're a top three entry.
0: Oh, absolutely. Might win the whole thing.
1: Uh, yes or no, am I the coolest specialist you've ever met in all of your playing days of football? You've played for a long time.
0: No, there was a punter in Cincinnati that I like a lot better than you. His name's Kevin Huber. He's a better golfer, too.
1: Really? Better guy and better golfer? Yeah, you know, he's just more fun sometimes. (laughs) Damn. All right, well, I'll continue to work on that. Clint Bowling, appreciate your time. Have a great weekend. Good luck uh, with your gambling. I know you've been on a hot streak of late. And uh, we thank you for joining Punt and Pass. So, Clint, have a good one. Thanks for joining us, man. Great to get Clint's perspective on the big news coming out of Athens this week. Big shout out to Clint for joining us. You just heard him. He's going to join that punt and pass bowl. Pick them. Make sure you go to social media at punt and pass and sign up so you can get involved and try to win some of the top prizes so thanks Clint for joining us hope everybody enjoyed a little offensive lineman's perspective on the new hire in Athens all right let's talk about some of the other big news points from this past week Thursday night was the college football award show and great representation from the University of Georgia there. J.R. Reed was a finalist for the Jim Thorpe Award for the best defensive back in the nation. Unfortunately, he did not win. Rodrigo Blankenship was a finalist for the Lou Groza Award for the nation's best place kicker. And he did win, so shout out to Rodrigo Blankenship. I think a lot of people thought he would win. Rodrigo is extremely popular. He has branded himself like a master. I don't think he had the finish to the regular season that he would have imagined. But you know what? When you look at the games Georgia won, and in the style that they won them— yeah, Rodrigo missed a few kicks this year, but he was very important to a lot of Georgia's victories this season. So congratulations to Rodrigo. A great ending to his career in the regular season. I know Georgia will be looking to close out with a huge win in the Sugar Bowl over number 7-ranked Baylor. And Rodrigo is your Lou Groza Award winner. I'm sure that's something that he thought maybe was a far-fetched dream when he started as a walk-on. But, man, positivity and perseverance positivity and persistence, excuse me, equals perseverance, so hat tip to Rodrigo, and I think the coolest thing from the College Football Awards show last night is the announcement of the Walter Camp All-American football team. Look, back in 2009, I was named a Walter Camp All-American, and I can tell you to this day, it's one of the more special things that I have had the honor to be involved with. It is by far the most prolific All-American team. They have an unbelievable weekend on Martin Luther King weekend up in New Haven, Connecticut, where the foundation was founded. You spend the weekend at Yale University. You get to meet and hang out with your fellow All-American teammates. And three Georgia Bulldogs were named to the first team. J.R. Reed was on first team defense. Andrew Thomas was on the first team offense. And Rodrigo Blankenship was your first team kicker. So bravo to those three guys. This is a huge honor for the team. A huge honor for the school. And if these guys are listening, Jr. Andrew, and Rodrigo, as they should be, because this is the best podcast for college football in the nation, you have to go to that Walter Camp All-American Weekend. It is awesome. It's centered around the community. You get to meet with some of the greatest college football players of all time, and they do a fantastic job. So shout out to those guys. Shout out to the Walter Camp All-American team what a night it was for Georgia football really what a night it was for the SEC the LSU Tigers had a gigantic contingent there Coach O won the Coach of the Year Award. Joe Burrow won just about every single award he was nominated for. That's right. He won the Maxwell Award, which is for Player of the Year. He won the Walter Camp Player of the Year Award. That was a given. He also won the Davey O'Brien Award for Best Quarterback of the Year. I voted for him. I am on the Davey O'Brien Voting Committee based on our partnership last year from the podcast. So, yes, I, of course, voted for Joe Burrow. And of course, I mean, most certainly, Joe is going to win the Heisman Trophy this weekend. A lot of sports books have taken down the odds because this is a foregone conclusion, people. Joe Burrow is going to win the Heisman Trophy, but they brought three other finalists as well. Joe's going to be there. Justin Fields will be there. He most certainly deserves it. He's had 40 touchdowns this year and one interception, not counting his 10 rushing touchdowns. Just an unbelievable first starting season for Justin Fields up in Ohio. And then Jalen Hurts will be there too. I think that's more of a career hat tip to him. Yes, of course, he had a great season. I think Tua Tonga would have been there if he did not get injured. I also thought Trevor Lawrence might have gotten an invite. He had a very strong finish to the season. And then they invited Chase Young from Ohio State. This one kind of made me scratch my head. Look, Chase Young is phenomenal. There is no doubt. He is probably the most dominant and prolific defensive player in the nation. But you know what? He was suspended for two games. And as stupid as that suspension may have been, based on the NCAA's ridiculous, hypocritical rules. Chase Young should not have been invited as a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. That's just my personal take. Maybe it's because I'm old. Maybe I'm just yelling at the clouds. But I'm sorry. You're suspended by the NCAA for two games. Again, I don't care how stupid it was. You should not be at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Of course, he's not going to win. And here's one thing that I thought was really funny. And I want you to tweet me at Drew Butler 13 What do you think? There are 870 voters for the Heisman Trophy. Over, under... 805 first place votes for Joe Burrow. 870 total votes. Will Joe Burrow get over or under 805 first place votes to win this year's 2019 Heisman Trophy? I, I would have to say over. I mean, you look at what Joe Burrow has done for LSU this season. We all saw him in person last week. If you're a Georgia fan, if you're an SEC fan, if you're a college football fan, you were watching that SEC championship last week, number one versus number four. Joe Burrow is by far and away the best player in college football. And for how long? We've been saying it on this podcast all season long, even dating back to last year. How long is the only thing Ben? problematic for LSU, the lack of a quarterback. You put a great quarterback with LSU's defense and LSU's talent on offense, and you see exactly what they have been capable of for all these years. Joe Burrow deserves the Heisman. He should get over 805 of those first-place votes, and good for him. I do have one beef with Joe Burrow, though. The purple seersucker suit last night? I, I mean, look, I know what you're going for, okay? School pride, a little bit of flair, I get it, but this ain't the Kentucky Derby, man. It's December 12th in Atlanta, Georgia. It was about 40 degrees out last night. It's rainy and gross today. Put this seersucker away. You can bring that out in April or may make a few phone calls, get a custom made purple suit and look a little bit better put together than purple seersucker in December in Atlanta. That was a miss. That was an interception return back for six points in the fashion game from Joe Burrow. One of the only mistakes he's made so far this year, but I'm right here. Correct. I mean, do not wear seersucker in December. Bad, bad look. Get a little shiny purple. Get a little something that maybe looks purple in some lighter light, but then kind of looks like a navy in some darker light. I, I'm not a I'm not a fashion expert, but I do know you put the seersucker away when it's below 50 degrees outside. That's obvious. That's obvious. All right. So a lot of people told me today. Or I told a lot of people today, excuse me, that I was riding solo on this podcast. So I went to Twitter again, at Punt and Pass, at Drew Butler 13 And I said, I'm going to let it rip. Let me know what you want to know. So we got some fan questions here. Let's get right to it. Russell Cochran, a great friend of the show, at Cochran Russell, on Twitter asks, does Georgia go with the high school recruit or a transfer quarterback if Jake Fromm leaves? We asked Clint Bowling. Earlier in the show, does he think Jake Fromm will leave for the NFL? And I think Jake will certainly do his due diligence. He'll send in his papers, see what they say. Here's the biggest decision for Jake. If he gets back a third-round grade this year, does he think that a better performance next year, which he would obviously want if he comes back to school, will elevate him from a third-round grade? You know, he's going to talk to a lot of agents. He's going to get a lot of perspective, a lot of feedback. And if people say, you know what, Jake, I think the ceiling might be second round, why risk an injury and leave? He might leave. And again, we come back on this podcast every single week when we break down Georgia football. And the biggest complaint from this past year was Jake Fromm, right? He is human, he hears. The noise. How much more does he want to put up with that? The guy has done everything at Georgia there is possible to do besides win a national championship. Could he be sitting there with his parents saying, you know what? I'm sick of this. I want to go make some money, man. People hate me when we lose. People hate me when we win. It's a no-win situation. Yes, I want to play for the greatest university in the land, as I'm sure he feels. But also, he's probably going to look at his tackle situation and go, well, Andrew Thomas is leaving. Uh, Isaiah Wilson might leave. DeAndre Swift's not going to be here. Who's going to, you know, is Coach Coley going to do the same thing he did in 2019? I think Jake has a little bit harder decision to make than a lot of people might expect for him to make. So what does Georgia do? Do they go with the high school recruit? or a transfer quarterback, look, if you follow the message boards, if you look at social media, you see that coaches from Georgia are following players who are in the transfer portal, quarterbacks who are in the transfer portal, most notably Derek King from Houston, the dual threat playmaker who has had some Heisman love before sitting out this season. I don't know, but if it's a win now situation for Georgia and they see the talent around their roster and say, you know what guys, we have to put somebody in this offense who knows what to do in game situationally. We don't have to really kind of groom him throughout a season. I think they would lean towards a transfer quarterback and look at the Heisman, look at the Heisman finalist panel, Joe Burrow, transfer quarterback, Justin Fields, transfer quarterback, Jalen Hurts transfer quarterback i mean this is the new age of college football so i would think if jake does leave georgia will make a move in the transfer portal for sure kelly bowling asks on a scale of one to ten how did clint bowling do in assessing the dogs new offensive line higher kelly is obviously clint's wife i'll give clint a 10 clint's my guy he did A fantastic job. Tyler Sweeten at T Sweeten asks, let's play what if. What if Justin Fields was the starting quarterback at Georgia this season? Would our season be any different? This is one of the more popular hypothetical questions going around right now after Georgia's disappointing showing in the SEC championship game and, of course, what Justin Fields has done at Ohio State. Look, what he's done at Ohio State has most certainly Shown everybody what kind of talent he has. Ryan Day built that offense around what Justin Fields' strengths are. Would James Coley have done the same if Justin Fields was Georgia's starting quarterback in 2019? I don't know. I mean, I mean, you would hope so, but how Georgia is built, and Kirby Smart said this much after the SEC championship game. Guys, we've got a huge offensive line. We've got a stable of really good running backs. We are built for a pro-style offense. We are built to establish the run, hopefully create some play-action opportunities, and then spread the ball around downfield. I mean, that's what Georgia's built on. Is it bully ball? Yes. Did some people call it Kirby ball? Yes. Is it old school? Of course it is. Would Justin Fields have been put in that style offense? I think so. Hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously. But what they did at Ohio State for Justin Fields this year was far better suited for Justin Fields. I don't know if the handcuffs would have been on him. Would he have been able to get out of the pocket? Like Jake usually can do, but then throws the ball away. Yes, Justin Fields is more elusive than Jake from. I mean, anybody can tell you that. Justin Fields also said this week that, you know, a lot of the concepts are the same in Georgia and Ohio State's offense. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. But look, He was running a spread-style offense this season at Ohio State. 40 touchdowns, only one interception, 10 touchdowns on the ground. He would have been in a pro-style offense, Tyler, if he was at Georgia. So, no. I, I think Justin Fields would not have had 40 touchdowns, one interception, and 10 rushing touchdowns if he was a starting quarterback for the Bulldogs this season. Would our season be any different? Maybe you don't lose to South Carolina at home. Maybe you lose a different game. Maybe you lose Florida. Maybe you lose Auburn. I don't know, but I think you still would have lost to LSU, so you not would have been you would have not been, excuse me, the SEC champions. Noah Portnoy, another great friend of the pod at nportnoy 12 on Twitter says, "What can the Dogs offense do to improve their quarterback, wide receiver and tight end play for the Sugar Bowl? What's well, going to be tough, Noah?" I would not expect Andrew Thomas to play. I would not expect DeAndre Swift to play. Those are going to hurt for the Georgia Bulldogs. Jake Fromm, I mean, he's gone quiet. We don't know what he's doing, guys. We don't know what he's doing. Am I saying I know anything? No, I don't know anything at all. I'm sure he'll play. All right, but what does the offense have to do to improve the quarterback, the wide receiver, and the tight end play for the Sugar Bowl? You have to run the football. Guys, you've got to establish the run. Everything starts after that any football coach will tell you that if you can run the football get into third and manageable move the chains then your wide receivers start getting man-to-man coverage then your tight end can expose a linebacker in the second level and get open right then you can draw up some exotics fool the defense bring them show run look and throw the ball downfield, then receivers get more open. Then tight ends can act like they're blocking and go out for a receiving route. That's what the Dogs' offense has to do to improve the quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end play in New Orleans, Noah. They have to establish the run early, and it's going to be tough. Matt Rule has that Baylor defense playing well. We'll see how Georgia can respond from their debacle against Texas in the Sugar Bowl just a year ago. Colin, at Colin Stancel. Asks, what is your over-under on Aaron Murray's touchdowns this year? Aaron Murray's touchdowns for the XFL's Tampa Bay Vipers. You know, I don't even know how many games they're playing. Ten games? Eight games? Does Murray eclipse 25 touchdowns? That's a lot. 25 passing and rushing? I would go over 25 passing and rushing, under 25 passing. Mark Trestman's the play caller, former head coach of the Chicago Bears. Uh, I'll be interested to see what this offense looks like. But right now, over 25 total touchdowns for Aaron Murray this year on the ground and through the air. Robert Charette at Charette98 asks, if Georgia would have beat LSU, would LSU be out of the top four maybe or would they match back up in the first round of the playoffs? No, we talked about this, Robert. If Georgia would have beaten LSU, here's how it would have shaken out. Ohio State would have been number one. Keep in mind, LSU was number two when Georgia played them. Ohio State would have been number one. Clemson would have been number two. Georgia would have jumped LSU and been number three. And LSU would have been number four. Setting up LSU versus Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. And then Georgia versus Clemson in the Peach Bowl, two versus three. Those would have been your semifinals. LSU was a lock. And obviously, they weren't going to lose that game. But no, they would not have been out of the top four if Georgia upset them in the SEC championship. Jamie Hare... Good friend, at BookCat501, has Georgia stalled with Kirby? Or can he admit the offense needs serious help and hire some NFL dude like LSU did to overhaul their offense? Georgia has most certainly not stalled with Kirby Smart. Guys, this is his fourth year, okay? And I see a ton of comparisons between Coach Rick's first four years at Georgia – and Kirby's first four years at Georgia. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. We all know why Coach Rick was let go at Georgia. It was because of his last four years. It was not because of his first four years. Kirby Smart has signed two number one recruiting classes in his first four years. I don't think Coach Rick ever did that. Kirby Smart has also played for a national championship, right? Did that in his second year. Coach Rick never played for a national championship. I love Coach Rick. He's been on the podcast before. But the comparisons between Kirby and Coach Smart are a bit ludicrous, and I just don't even buy into them. Okay, Kirby Smart's going to be the head coach at Georgia for a very long time, unless Jerry Jones calls him and offers him the Cowboys job. You think that's a possibility? I haven't heard his name thrown into the ring for that. But you hear Urban Meyer. You hear Lincoln Riley. What about Kirby Smart? Who knows? And can he admit the offense needs serious help and hire some NFL dude like LSU did to overhaul their offense? Look, that's that's the flavor of the month, Jamie. And I don't think that's the answer for everybody. I think Matt Luke who you heard from Clint Bowling, a a guy who's been in the NFL, been in college. Matt Luke has a ton of experience, right? Head coach at Ole Miss, offensive background. I think he might be able to provide some insight like Joe Brady did for LSU this year. Yes, Joe Brady was the passing game coordinator. He brought the concepts from the Saints to kind of overhaul that LSU offense. I'll be interested to see what kind of Situations or really scenarios play out after the Sugar Bowl, okay? Georgia needs to finish strong in recruiting. Take a deep breath and then go from there. It's going to be okay, people. It really is going to be okay. And, Jamie, I don't think that's necessary to hire an NFL dude, but we'll see what kind of overhaul Georgia brings to their offense next year. Weedy at Bulldogs52 asks, what are your honest thoughts and opinions on James Coley and the job he's done this year? Is the entire offense and Fromm's regression on him, or so we pass it off on lack of wide receiver depth? It's a deep question, Weedy, and it's a great question. It really is. I mean, James Coley was put in the crosshairs about halfway through this season for the lack of Georgia's explosiveness and really total points put on the board each and every week. I think one of the telling things was J.R. Reed." When he spoke with the media, I believe, on Wednesday night at the College Football Awards welcome dinner and said, hey, look, we knew what kind of offense we had five games into the season. And the defense knew. And we had to play like the defense played week in and week out because we knew that we would have to play at our highest level and maybe try to hold the opponents to 14, 17, 20 points because we're not going to put that many points up on the board. Was it a lack of our receiver depth? Probably. Was Did Jake Fromm regress? Yes. Was the offensive play calling unimaginative at times? Yes. Who's to blame? I think it's everybody. I mean, I think you could look at the offensive line and say Georgia's offensive line was not the unit everybody expected it to be at the beginning of the season. Look, you go up against great D-lines week in and week out in the SEC. Everybody was talking about how big and strong Georgia's offensive line was. I never really saw them outside of a couple of games really establish the run early and say, we're here to play, and you can line up and try to stop it, and you can't. So you know what? Does James Coley take some blame? Yes. Does the lack of wide receiver depth play some into it? Of course it does. Georgia lost a ton of talent at offensive line, three guys who are in the NFL playing this year. J.J. Holloman kicked off the team before the season. Lawrence Cager, never quite healthy. Pickens suspended. Yes, I mean, everybody takes some blame, and that's why football is the greatest game. Was and is the greatest game. Brant Richardson. Brant, appreciate your question, man. Appreciate you listening every week. At Brantley Trust says, please address what you know about the Bobo, Must Champ Kirby information, and or misinformation all right I don't know anything I I really don't about what was happening with the coach Bobo you know mutual agreement to part ways with Colorado State and then Will Muschamp demoting Brian McClendon who was a coach at Georgia when I was there as the offensive coordinator and bringing him back down to a lesser role so that coach Bobo had the opening to come to South Carolina And was Coach Bobo even a thought, right? James Coley, still the offensive coordinator at Georgia. And I think I was telling most of my friends, most of our listeners, guys, pump the brakes. Coley's still at Georgia. People are talking about Bobo this, Bobo that, Bobo this, Bobo that. Guys, Coley was still at Georgia the entire time. Did Kirby talk to him? I have no idea. Did he send out a feeler? maybe you know these are situations when you're talking about former teammates and friends and these guys coached together as well when coach rick had kirby as his running backs coach in 2006 i don't know the answer to your question Brandt. i really don't as far as what do i know what i know is that i don't know but what i think i know most is this coach Bobo went to south carolina for a reason. Coach Bobo bought Joe Cox with him, I believe, former Georgia quarterback, and Will Friend with him, I think, too, his offensive line coach. So you know Coach Bobo had some baggage, and when I say baggage, not in a bad way. He was going to bring some coaches with him, and Kirby probably likes a lot of people on his offensive staff. Kirby has these guys recruiting at an extremely high level, right? You do not want to shake up the boat seven days before signing day. And Coach Bobo is going to have an opportunity to prove his chops once again inside the SEC. And one of the things that's most interesting is that Will Muschamp is most certainly on the hot seat entering into 2020. So maybe Coach Bobo sees an opportunity that, hey, if I can provide a spark on offense, maybe we don't go 9-3. and Maybe Coach Bobo could step in. And take over for Muschamp. I don't know. Again, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. But at SEC Media Days in July of 2019, Will Muschamp told the media this is the most talented team he's had at South Carolina. And they had an awful year besides upsetting Georgia in Athens, which was voted last night by the fans as the biggest upset of the year. So Georgia has that going for him, which is nice. I guess. Thanks for the questions. Always appreciate the questions. I got a couple other tweets there saying that people have signed up for the Punt and Pass Pick'Em, again, with prizes. I will announce the prizes on Sunday or Monday's episode of Punt and Pass. I'm talking to a few different people about what we can give our listeners. Top three will win prizes. They will be sweet, obviously. And one of the probably contingencies, or if you want a really sweet prize, Would be to sign up for prize picks. Sign up for prize picks, download the prize picks app, or go to myprizepicks.com and use the promo code PNP. You get a free $25 to start with prize picks. It's Daily Fantasy Simplified College Football, NFL Football, NHL Hockey, College Basketball, NBA Basketball, WNBA Basketball, Golf. All you have to do is go on the app, go on the website, Use the promo code PMP and pick any players you want. You could do cross sport entries and guess. Project if they will go over or under the fantasy point totals that Prize Picks gives you. It's awesome. I've won on it. I get replies from a lot of our listeners. They've won on it. It is daily fantasy simplified. It is tons of fun. Go to Prize Picks app. Download it or go to MyPrizePicks.com. Use the promo code PNP. And if you have prize picks and you win the pick you might be getting something in your account, maybe. Tweet them and say you want it. That's what you need to do. At PrizePicks on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Punt and Pass. You can find the links there. What else do we want to talk about? Who do we want on as a guest? Aaron's got a couple more days down there in Tampa Bay, so I am just filling in the time. I appreciate it. I have fun with these solo episodes, so um, tweet at me, at Butler 13 on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at AaronMurray11. I appreciate you guys listening. I hope this podcast episode finds you well on the weekend. Enjoy your Friday afternoon. Follow us at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram, and I will talk to you on Monday. See you.